Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards. Thank you for joining me this episode. I am going to maybe disappoint some of you and I'm going to skip straight to the Elliots. I have read through some of the recent listener feedback. I am not prepared. I just barely did it right before I started recording this episode. And I'm not prepared with appropriate feedback. Sometimes when I... People are bringing things up. They've they've shared something with me, and and I ha- and so there are some of you who've said, "Hey, check this out," or "Here's a link," or "Here's a cool story." It might make a great episode, and I just want to let you know that I'm grateful that you reached out like that, and I will check it out. And I have actually made whole episodes based purely off of things that you, the listeners, have shared with me or questions you've asked. In fact, the last episode was. Um, I feel like probably 90% prompted by listener feedback. I, I did cover some things that had been covered in an earlier episode, but I went into more detail, kind of narrowed it in a little bit, and then dive, dived in a little farther. Dove in a little farther. Dived. Dove. How am I supposed to get a handle on Gaelic if I'm still working on English? All this work on the Spanish here at the Defense Language Institute. Actually, I, I think, if anything, that's probably helping my English out because we're really breaking language down in general. And anyway, I think it's dove. <laughs> Dived? Dove? Moving on. Um, yeah, so that was that last episode. It was, it was largely, I felt like we needed to touch on it due to listener feedback. So for those of you who are looking forward to having a question answered or something responded to, I, I apologize for not starting this episode off with just at least touching on that. But I'm looking forward to get to some of the material that you all shared. Some of you are very kind, um, expressed your, um, I don't know, some, some of you just said, I know you're far from your family and we'll keep you close to our heart. I, that, that kind of stuff's pretty cool. And, and it uh, helps me feel a connection with my, my group of listeners. It is hard being away from my family. And, but my life in general is not a hard life. There's some of you who have some really hard things. And I think in the big scheme of things, I feel very blessed, fortunate, whatever word you prefer. I, I, uh, I like to use the word blessed, but I have a good life. And, and this podcast and being able to research into some of my ancestry and do this sort of thing makes it more rich, I believe. Richer. More rich. Which is it, guys? What's the what's the anyway? It's another one of those things. So, thank you for your feedback. And some of you, you know, you didn't share anything. You just said, "Hey, I think you're doing a great job." And and I and that you know what that encouragement it helps. And I share those comments with my wife. Hey, look at what people are saying about the podcast. I'm actually doing something right here. And you know, because sometimes I like look. I don't want to make it feel like I got a low self esteem, but. It's nice to know that you're doing some good things. So I appreciate your feedback, and it's been positive and encouraging, and I'll, I'll try to keep putting out a good product here. All right, so so what? this is how the episode is laid out today. As you have been able to see, when you clicked on this episode to listen to it, this will be on the Elliots. This is episode number 60. I can't believe it. Um, I Oh, another thing I apologize for is it's been two weeks since the last episode. I don't like to let a full two weeks go in between episodes. 
This last week has been a little bit crazy, and I can't go into a lot of detail on it because I might get in trouble. Um, I haven't done anything wicked or malevolent, but I did maybe break some rules. And so that's as far into that as I'm going to get. Yeah, so it's been pretty crazy, and I should have already had an episode out. So thank you for having patience with me and not just dropping the podcast altogether. Let's talk about the Elliots. All right, so here's, I found an article on academia.edu. I will have a link posted to this article on academia, academia.edu. Now, if you do not, oh my gosh, I got a huge bug crawling on me. Ah! <laughs> I'm going to take care of it here. It's kind of like big enough to be startling. So in trying to, to pause the recording there real quick, and taking care of this bug, it was crawling on my shoulder, which is way too close to my face, for starters. Second of all, it was one of those huge ants with the wings on it, and which is okay. I didn't freak out. I kept my cool. It did startle me, I admit. Um, had it been a spider, you would have probably, I probably would have damaged your ears because spiders, especially big spiders, and that close to my face, I, uh, I, uh, it, I don't, I don't do very well with that sort of thing. So then I could tell you stories on that, but it was, so in standing up to take care of that, it disappeared and I don't know where it went. And I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not recording this in my bed, thank goodness, but I'm, I don't, it's, it bothers me that I don't know where it is. I'm not really too worried about it like biting me or anything scary, give me a poisonous bite. I'm not, I'm not too, too worried about it, but it was big, and then it just disappeared. And I don't know if it went down. I tried to see if it went down my shirt. I don't think it went down my shirt. I'm pretty sure it didn't go down in my pants. Anyway, <laughs> there's just, uh, you know, sorry you, had to, sorry you had to go through that. Let's, I'm not going to edit it out. I'm just leaving it in. And we're going we're gonna to drive on with the Elliots. Here's what I did. For those of you who don't have an academia.edu account, I encourage you to get one. Especially, I mean, you know what? And if, and if, you're, if you just tune into this podcast and you want to hear a little interesting information or hear a cool story every now and again, I mean, that's cool. And that's, that's as far as you want to take that. That's, that's awesome. It's awesome. But there are a lot of you out there who do want to follow up on some of these sources. I'm trying really hard to make sure that these sources, I'm making them access, accessible on the Facebook group so that you can just go on there and click it. I did that with the, well, and I, with that last book, I got all my quotes out of a book by Jenny Warmald. I couldn't just post all the information on there. So I just included a, an Amazon link, which is how I got a hold of the book was through Amazon. So that's what I did. In this case, I will I could actually post the link to the article on academia.edu. You don't need to have, you know, like with JSTOR, you can either pay him some money or you can be going to college or high school and, and access it via that. It's not like that. You can it'll ask you what you know school you're with and you can just say I'm an independent scholar or I can't remember. It was a long time ago when I started my membership. And I don't know, it's, it's free and it's easy and you just get on there and you have access to a ton of stuff that's being written by people who are doing taking an, an academic, a scholarly approach to all this. So I would recommend it and that's how I'm going to give you access to the source that I'm drawing everything from today, okay? None of this comes from 
Collins Scottish clan and family encyclopedia. None of this comes from Wikipedia. It doesn't come from any of the .com sites or .org sites on the internet, as good as some of those are. It's all coming from an article that I found off of academia.edu from Keith Elliott Hunter. And so he has a personal stake in this whole Elliott business, but he came up with some really good points. And so as I read through it, I just highlighted stuff, and then I just dropped it into my notes as for somewhat of an outline, and I'm just working my way through those notes, okay? So that's, it. it I could have probably done a much grander presentation and made it flow and it's all scripted and narrated, but you guys know I don't, it's not how I do this podcast, I just, it's a stream of conscious podcast, and so hopefully if you're interested in the Elliots, then this will be of great value to you. Also, if you're just interested in border clans, the Elliots were a border clan. Not only were they a border clan, they were a renowned border clan. Then you know you have you have names that you found on the border, but then you had kindreds who were coming up on the radar of their fellow clans and the just across on the English side and the. They were from the Western, the West March. So they were neighbors with the Armstrongs, who they generally were allies with. And so they're in that, that West March part of the, the Scottish borders. And definitely the English West March warden knew about the Elliots because they were they were very active. Now I'm in this in this episode, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on their exploits. Um, you could probably find those easy enough. I'm going to dig into some really interesting things on the origins of the Elliots that um, you probably didn't know about. And to start off with, let's let's just go deep into their origins. I did on an earlier episode about the Border Clans, just briefly touch on the origins of the Elliots. And I mentioned that they had originally come from Angus, in Scotland and and then move south, which is contrary to the flow that most border clans that, that would happen with most clans who came into Scotland, especially ones who came in with the Norman movement. Now the Elliots were not technically Normans, but they were part of that movement, and the trend for that movement was to gain property in southern Scotland and then work their way north. And I, I, I think that that was a case for every other quote-unquote Norman clan that I can think of. It was definitely true of the Gordons. It was true of the Frasers, the Chisholms, the, the clans that are descended from Freskin to Moravia. So that would be the, the Sutherlands and the, and the Murrays. It's, it's true, and, and they weren't technically quote-unquote Normans either, but they were part of the same movement that the Elliot ancestors were. Now, where were the Elliot ancestors actually from? Why, why do I say technically they were not Normans? Because they were Bretons. One thing I didn't know before reading Hunter's article here is how numerous and how important the Bretons were to the Norman invasion of England and for subsequent efforts from there on out. Um, so all the things that I'm going to, all the facts that I'm going to share with you are, I say facts, they're pieces of information and they're coming out of this particular article. So this is, I'm citing this article. Now, if you want to track down maybe more specifically where the information is really coming from, then I'm going to guide you to this article. It's, he's, he's, it's very well cited. 
it just it's a it's an academic type work and you can go find out where some of these pieces of information from so that's as much as I'm going to do right now I'm just going to present what I learned out of this paper and if you're like ah, I don't know about that or you're interested you're on board but you just want to find out more about it then then track down this article which I'll do my best to to help you get to in, in posting that link so one thing that Hunter shares here is that around a thousand Breton mercenaries fought at the Battle of Hastings in 1066. I didn't know that their presence, I knew there were Bretons and William the Conquerors or William the Bastard or whatever name you like to use for him. I, I knew he had Bretons in there. I did not know they were that numerous. Um, another quote from the the paper itself, a leading authority on the history of the Anglo-Saxons, Sir Frank Stenton, found that, quote, the Lord's who came from Brittany were more numerous than the Flemings and on the whole more important as individuals. That's interesting. So I guess when we're just laying the groundwork for the, the ethnic group that the Elliots came out of. All right, so we've talked about the Stuarts before. Stuarts are coming from this exact same type of cultural background. And so in quoting Hunter again, among these new men were the Fitzalans of Dole in Brittany, awarded lands in Shropshire, whose younger son, Walter, became the hereditary steward. Later, that became the last name of Stuart. That's, I'm using my own words there. That's not coming out of the quote. Okay, back to the quote. Infected with extensive lands in Scotland, south of the Forth, by David I. So, I know that I've mentioned this in times past. That's how a lot of the Normans ended up in Scotland. They were invited there by David I, who was in exile in Norman England, was treated rather well. And when he said, hey, I'm going to go get my throne back. Who wants to come with me? He had a pretty, I mean, it, when I say he had got a pretty good force together, they were strong enough to win the day, and he got his throne, and Scotland became the king. And he was just like Robert the Bruce, was generous toward those who had sided with him and helped him. Um, David I did the same thing. And those Norman adventurers who embraced his cause and w helped him get his throne back, he gave them land there in Scotland. Now, as we go back to that Robert the Bruce, that's going his his that that's going to tie in with the Elliots here in the future. Just kind of keep that humming in the back of your head. Another quote from the paper, what is often overlooked when perhaps paying too much attention in the modern day to ranks and pecking orders is the prowess which marked out any particular tenant and members of his kinship or clan as fighting men. By the late 13th century, Elias's descendant chief would undoubtedly have had a potential war band consisting mainly of his kinsmen and and men who had married into his kinship at his disposal. Okay, so let me let me just connect real quick where the previous where we left off of the previous quote and the Breton origin to this kindred becoming established here. So and and I'm not going to try to develop this argument as well as Hunter did. That's why I'm letting you uh, trying to connect you to that source. But he makes the argument that the Elliot name comes from a slightly corrupted Breton name that is still found in Brittany, France, to this day. In fact, he re references a conversation that he had with a um, Breton-born French friend of his who says, "You know, 
your middle name is Breton. And so that was something that somebody from Brittany today could recognize Elliot as a variant of a name that's still there. Okay, and so we have the Elliot ancestor who comes from that. That's a, I, I believe it was a place name, origin name. And they come with the Normans, find themselves in Scotland, and find themselves with land. Now, this is he references this person, Elias, who is the first of these that we actually have on record. And he gets land in Angus. And so, and this part of Scotland, depending on the time that you're looking at, could either be said to be in Angus or in Perthshire. And it's just, and this is another interesting, remember in times, episodes past, I, I told you that it's interesting to me, these, these kindreds who have territory that straddle certain boundaries. And in this case, we got a kindred who is right on the edge of the highlands. Now keep in mind though, at the time that this that Elias Elliot or whatever variant of his name was was more accurate at the time, he's he's made the keeper of a forest um, of, of this area of Scotland and the antipathy and the clear demarcation between Highlanders and Lowlanders was not as settled in as it would become later on and I still and I, I know that 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 highland lowland divide culturally speaking is referenced by contemporary sources but I'm I'm reluctant to embrace the concept that there was this unbreakable wall of hatred between the two regions of Scotland. And one thing that tips me off on that is looking at who's marrying who. There was, there was Highlanders who were marrying Lowland women. And I believe it went the other way as well. But that would be something to dive into and it'd be an interesting study. And I'll throw that out to maybe some of you. To study on yours, and maybe if you get to it before I did, before I do, you can share with us. So the Elliot's original territory is right on this border country with the lowlands and highlands, right there. And I wonder, especially if they're coming in there during the 1100s, when, when a lot of Scotland spoke Gaelic. I wonder. If this is a language that the Elliots embraced, keep in mind the Bretons, the one reason I think they're so interesting is they are a Celtic-speaking people. The, the Breton language is more closely related to Welsh than it is in that side of the Celtic family than it is to the Gallic side. And I'm not going to go into the breakdown of that whole structure right now. But the Bretons are Celtic people. Now, to what extent the Elliots back in Brittany were um, Breton speaking, I don't know that. Or the Stuarts. I don't know either that, that in either case. But that was their ethnic background as far as we can tell. So they land in this part of Scotland, northwest Angus, southeast Perthshire. And... That's what we're getting to with that last quote I, I talked about there that I, I pulled from the article is that 
Hunter is saying that we get wrapped around the axle about ranks and who's got what title. Now, it's not like there's no substance to that. But what he's saying is there's more going on than just that. And if we get too bogged down in that, we won't see the actual social structure that's going on in a kin-based society. Once again, going back to that same quote, by the late 13th century, Elias's descendant chief would undoubtedly have had a potential war band consisting mainly of his kinsmen and men who had married into his kinship at his disposal. Now keep in mind, if he's the keeper of the forest in that area, then he probably, aside from being the leader of a... So I'm, when I say he, I'm talking about the descendants of Elias who held the leadership of this kindred. They would have their own kindred who acknowledged him in a kin-based society as their leader. And then he would also have people at his disposal who would be loyal to him, especially if they, these chiefs had developed these... Um, they were, if they were good men... They were courageous men, and people felt like they were deserving of their loyalty. So he would have had a kin-based support and a part of his people who were loyal to him by virtue of the position that he had within the kingdom of Scotland. Okay, so there's, it's not just a title that he may or may not have ever had. So then, then the next two identifiable Per specific people we can identify within this kindred are two brothers, it looks like, named Walter and Thomas. So that's the next quote. It says, the prisoners, Walter and his brother Thomas, and this is when it says prisoners, it's talking about prisoners of the English uh, from, a, from conflict with Scotland, were described as squires, but despite Walter's status as a tenant-in-chief, from what is known about Walter's sons, he undoubtedly he and undoubtedly his brother were almost certainly Athol followers and men-at-arms. Now, this time period that this, this we're getting into right here is during the Scottish Wars of Independence. It's during Robert the Bruce. And, and that's how they came into conflict with the English and, and ended up prisoners. And if you remember, I don't know if you've ever seen Outlaw King... But you can you can watch that and you find out and you can you find this out just from studying about this time period too that in the conflict with the English specifically at the Battle of Methven, which is where Bruce was soundly defeated, the Earl of Athol was was captured at that time period, and it was saying that Walter and Thomas were followers of the Earl of Athol. And, and Athel was on Bruce's side, which means that the Elliot kindred was on the side of the Bruce. Um, to continue on, on this, on this same vein, Matthew Hammond has drawn attention, and once again I'm quoting from the article, Matthew Hammond has drawn attention to what may have been a significant Breton settlement in Perth. And to quote Matthew Hammond, it says, It is possible that personal names can expand our understanding of the cultural makeup of the city and place it within a broader geographical context. For example, Will Elmas, Phileas Joel, or Johel, suggests as a patronymic the Breton Judhael, often anglicized as Joel. Breton names 
were significant across Britain at this time. William, son of Ketel, gave his daughter the Breton name Weimark. These names may suggest Breton cultural context not previously recognized in Perth. So it's just establishing who the Elliots were in a broader context and trend of settlement there. So to continue on, it talks about the next quote is going to be in the context of when Bruce, at the beginning of his efforts, and he was very unsuccessful at, at first, when he really just just completely went all in on the Scottish side, which some of his peers were not willing to do. People who had, were found to be loyal to him, Edward I, um, I don't know what the technical term, term is, but he, he, he stripped their lands from them. So they no longer had legal claim to the lands they previously held. This was true of the Elliots. And the, the, a lot of these lands would then be given to people who were more loyal whether they were English, whether they were Normans who had land on both sides of the border, or whether they were local Scots from Gaelic or whatever other ethnic background, if they were loyal, they were given rewarded with lands of these people who they had uh, confiscation. That's what the word I was looking for earlier. These lands that had been confiscated for people who had sided with Bruce. The Elliots were in that group, and the person who... The Edward I had given that land to that he'd confiscated from the Elliots. His name was Brunning. So just keep that in mind um, when as we go into some of these uh, these subsequent quotes from the article. Now for the next one, while those awarded forfeited lands were no doubt left to their own devices when attempting to take possession of them. So that was only part of the, I came into the sentence midway there, but. So it's one thing for Edward I to say, hey, Brunning, you get the Elliot lands. It's another thing to go actually dislodge the people who are on the land, especially when it's a kindred who got that land in the first place by fighting. You know, let's go clear back to the Elliot beginnings. They come into the, into the British Isles, into Britain, as fighters in the army of William the Conqueror. And then they get their lands in Scotland once again by helping a guy get his throne. So this is a this is a tradition within this kindred of fighting. Now let me add this next quote onto here to to give to show you how even harder it would have been for the guy this Brunning gentleman who Edward the First says, "Hey, you can have this land." The Elliot or Elliot clan would almost certainly have grown considerably in numbers during a century and a half. And as a royal forest keeper, commanding mounted rangers or constables and all other kinsmen under his control, had the run of the extensive royal forest. Brunning, another man of middling rank, would have had great difficulty in dislodging what was probably a formidable Scots-Breton militaristic clan, which may very well have continued to produce mercenaries. Here may be a clue as to why, within two or three years, Bruce turned to the Elliots when aiming to recolonize the virtually empty lordship of Liddesdale for the first time with men owing knight or archer services. Okay, so to sum that up, hey, Brunning, you can have the Elliot lands. Easier said than done. Okay, now, the, so the Elliots do not become dislodged from their lands in Angus, 
because they because of the the edict of Edward the First and because they were loyal to Bruce. That's not how this all happens. Keep in mind that the name of this paper is the recoloniz recolonizing recolonization recolonization of Liddesdale. Now I'm going to continue on with with the uh, quotes from the article. Organized rampages. So just so this is once again this is just a a chunk of a sentence here. But organized rampages which would surely have followed Bruce's crushing of common power. So I'm I threw that quote in here to just highlight on some Scottish history in general. So let's just take a quick pause on the Elliots. This is this time period of Robert the Bruce and this the Wars of Independence was a huge upheaval on land ownership. So the Cummins, before Bruce's rise to power, they were at the, in, in their heyday, maybe similar to what the Campbells would later, later become in the late 15 into the 1600s. They had territory in the lowlands of Scotland, in the highlands, all over, huge chunks in the highlands. In fact, I really do believe that they become a highland clan, the Cummins do. And they, they, it's, it's stripped from them. Now they hang on. You have the comings of Altair later on, who that this once mighty, mighty kindred holds on to just a foothold, just a fraction of the territory that they owned before this. And one way that, that I understood this to happen was that's one way that the Macphersons come to be established in Badenoch is because... And this is what, uh, and I can, I, I didn't have this quote prepared, but or the source prepared to give you, but I did read an article that talked about how there's these three brothers who are McPhersons, and the Bruce basically just said, hey, you guys can have whatever you can get from the Cummins. And so they forcibly take Cummin territory in the Straths Bay, and that's how they got established there. And so... That was that was a thing that happened. Now you had keep in mind, just like we just touched on, you had to have the force available to you to push the previous people out. At least the landholding people. We don't really know that the the lower levels of society went anywhere. All right, they what you all, all you did was the the leading kindred you pushed them out. So for all we know, that the people embracing the name McPherson to this day. Now there's been so much intermarriage; it's hard to clearly delineate who's descended from who and that you're not descended from these guys but you are from these guys but that people who later adopted that surname they could have been people who had been there during coming lordship there and descended from people who were there way before the Cummins ever came into Scotland all right so getting back to the um the Elliot's it is perhaps, and I'm going back to the article here, it is perhaps to these years that the Douglases, okay, so we're going to get into the Douglas situation here. One thing you got to know about the Douglases, James Douglas, and I don't know that all current Douglases tra trace descent from James Douglas because this was a surname prior to James Douglas. And this isn't meant to be a complete history on the Douglases either, so let's just start with James Douglas. The Elliots obtain land, this, this Liddesdale area that they end up colonizing. It was part of a broader territory that was controlled by James Douglas. Now, James Douglas 
that gentleman was a warrior from start to finish. So whatever contact you may have seen with him in Outlaw King, I've done some further reading on him specifically. The English called him the Black Douglas. He was a scourge. He was a scourge. If you were an Englishman, he, he, he was bad news. If he was in the area, if you heard that James Douglas was in the area and you are an Englishman living on the English side, probably something really, really bad is going to happen in the near future. Now, if you're a Scot, he's awesome. And, but everything I read on him, that man was a fighter. I mean, he was a warrior in every sense of the word. These other, I mean, he's in the same category as previous ages of warriors like Harold Hardrada from the the Norse king who spent time in the Varangian Guard and led the last Viking attack on England. I mean, who else would come into my mind when we think about these people? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that he was he was a feared man. And the Elliots, as they... I'm going to kind of summarize here, maybe. I'm not going to go into every quote that I had brought out from that article. But I'm just going to... What, what I'm getting to here is that the people who had been in control of Liddesdale before the Wars of Independence were not loyal to Bruce. One family prominently among these were the de Sulis family. So D-E, like the, the Norman French and, and generally Latin preposition there, of, the, of Sulis, so de Sulis, and it's, you see that spelled different ways, S-O-U-L-I-S-E-S, different ways, but the de Sulis family, who were the previous controllers, occupants, lords there, the lordship of Liddesdale, they did not side with Bruce. And upon him completing or completing his, his bid for the throne, not just getting crowned, which happened relatively early, but making good on that ceremony by defeating the English and, and enforcing his right to be the king or his, his position as a king. I don't know about right, but um, when he gets that position solidified, what happens to the people down in Listdale who sided against him? Well, they bail because Listdale is in his territory that he now controls. And more specifically, it's in the territory that James Douglas now controls, which is bad if you found yourself on the other side and James Douglas looks at you as an enemy. Now, the DeSoulis family would later get positioned back in Scotland. In fact, it may be even in the neighborhood of this area, according to this article. And like I said, I'm going to not go over every single thing that I highlighted in here, but I'm, I'm giving you the, the important information, and, and, I'm, and then I'm hooking you up if you want to do some further reading. But the, the DeSoulis family and those other people in that area who were not, not who chose not to side with Bruce, when he, be, when he be, actually gains, no kidding, the throne, they flee south into Cumberland. And now, here's what happens next, and this is how the Elliots actually come to be there. When I talk, we talk about the recolonization of Liddesdale. The, so you, you have this, ter- this territory that opens up. So if you're Robert the Bruce, who are you going to assign to that? That is, in, in the military, we have what we call key terrain. Let me explain why Liddesdale would be key terrain. If you're going to be a Scottish force, and you're going to raid into England, there's a few specific places. It's not, you know, you have the whole border, 
but the whole border isn't equally conducive to moving troops through it. Liddesdale was one of those areas of key terrain where you would probably not only just be moving troops through there, but could use that as a launching point. As the Elliots and Armstrongs later did as they launched their raids. So for the same reason it was advantageous for them to hold that land, it was important to the Scottish king, specifically Robert Bruce. So who are you going to put there? So this is why I said earlier, the, the, the Elliots don't get their lands confiscated by Edward the first, which they did, but they didn't, they didn't mean anything. It was Robert the Bruce who said, hey, I'm going to put you down this really important spot down here. And as people who are loyal to him, they took him up on that. The kindred moves down into that area, and they become what the Elliots would later become as a border clan, as a border surname, border reavers. And not only that, amongst the, the most notorious of all of the kindreds of the, border, of the borders. That's how they come to be there. Robert the Bruce needed a loyal group of people and one who, like Hunter kind of hints at, may have had a lingering down through the generations tradition of warfare. This was a fighting kindred and nothing changed by being relocated. They ended up on the border and fighters they would remain. And I think that's the main thing I wanted to contribute there to your knowledge is where they come from, their Breton origins, and and then how they actually come to be on the borders. It was a, I mean, yeah, I guess they were like other clans where they were, they came from the south, but their movement from south to north was not, hey, we get lands in southern Scotland and then eventually get lands farther north. Their south to north movement was from Brittany into England for we don't know how many generations or or all the exact steps generationally between the Norman invasion of England and their movement to Scotland. But when they land in Scotland, they land in Angus slash Perthshire. So if they land relatively farther north than a lot of their people who are coming from this Norman background, even though they weren't really Normans, but they're in that group, right? And then later on, they moved south. That was a lot more information than I shared with you when I covered briefly major border clans as I talked about border reavers. So, and, and it's not just who the Elliots, where they, where they come from, what group of people ethnically they come out of. And it's not just how they came to be established in Liddesdale, but as we see that story develop of the Elliots, we see a people who from the get-go, from the moment they left Brittany, and who knows how much longer before that, these people were a fighting kindred, a fighting group. Upon being established in Scotland, in a kin-based society, they become, no kidding, a clan. And a clan they would remain as they move from Angus slash Perthshire to Liddesdale on the western Scottish border. Ladies and gentlemen, hopefully that was, that was educational for you. I found it fascinating. I always like to, to find somebody who on a scholarly level is really deciding to dig in on a particular kindred. If only every Scottish clan could be so fortunate as to have somebody really dive into their, their background like that. And the Elliots were, were fortunate to have this article written. Now, have I pressure tested every single idea that Hunter advocates here? I have not. And I'll leave that up to you. It's a task unfinished, maybe. 
Um, I haven't read any peer reviews of this article or of any of his other works. I have not read any of his material before reading this article. Although when I read his article, it has the style of a true scholar. It has the, the citations, the development of an argument, the supporting of his thesis, he uses the, the the way he uses sources and the actual sources he's using I feel was well done if you want to try to poke holes in it the gates wide open I'll go to the Scottish clans Facebook group not the page the group follow the link there get yourself an academia.edu um, account I don't get anything from academia.edu for for saying that I've just found it to be a good source and in this case it was definitely no exception Get into there, get that, you can download the PDF for free, it doesn't cost any money, and you can break this article down if you want to, if you want to jump into it that deep. But that's the Elliots, that's where they come from, that's where they ended up, and that's who they are. Hopefully you've enjoyed this, reach out, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment in that, you can uh, go to podbean.com and look up Scottish Clans on that as well, and you can go to our Facebook group the Scottish Clans Facebook group, which you should be able to find through a, a search. You'll probably find both the Scottish Clans Facebook page and the Facebook group. Thank you so much for listening. I'm glad you uh, joined me for this. I'm, I'm glad that we can take part in this discussion together, and I hope that you will re reach out, and I'll try to be better in the future about responding to that listener feedback. So that's all I have on the, on the Elliot, and until we... In, encounter each other again. Marsh and Lave and Rasta.